0: to another for the joy of gardening by Esther brooks it's saturday morning oh boy march has been so fun up and down up and down snow rain you name it but the trucks are rolling nursery stock has arrived we're unpacking stuff from last year the yard's starting to bustle uh soils have arrived today we're going to have coast the main founder uh carlos kiano Um, from coast of Maine Uh, he's gonna be on today talk about new products uh, soils what you should be doing to your soil Um, they've got some new fertilizers also Um, and let's face it earthworm castings they're kind of cool too Um, you know but the trucks are rolling the grass is green whether you have snow on it or not that's a question mark Um, but underneath there it's greening up because there really isn't a frost in the ground except for maybe a few cold spots but uh, anybody who's been plowing knows last week we, we talked about a, a bunch of uh, problems with plow damage. Um, it's only gotten worse, let's face it, after some of these storms we've had. But what I want want to talk about a little bit today is that the grass is green underneath. Spring has sprung. We're past the date of spring. It's only happening quicker and quicker. Underneath the snow, maybe there's some daffodils or daylilies uh, popping up. I know uh, crocus are are showing their heads, and snowdrops have been out. We posted a picture on our Facebook page a couple weeks ago that they were out before some of these last storms we had. Um, So things are happening underneath the ground. Um, It's time to start thinking about, you know, change the oil in the lawnmower. Get some fresh gas in it, maybe change the spark plug, Uh, get the old uh, string trimmer ready, Uh, sharpen the pruners. Uh, It's time. It's time to get out, Uh, rake up those leaves you missed last fall, check for any mice damage. Um, It is time. The nursery stock is rolling in. Perennials are looking unbelievable in the greenhouse. Uh, Buds are starting to really form. Uh, They're really starting to size up. Pansies, they're ready to plant. If you can get in and work your ground at this point, you're, we're ready to plant. We have great flower selection on those. We'll be in the next couple weeks probably opening Scarborough and Kennebunk. Uh They're still closed, but we're working diligently to get them open. Check out our newsletter. Um, that's probably our Facebook page uh, for more information about when those will be opening. Mother Nature always kind of throws us a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of curveball here or there, but uh, we have some work to get those stores open and uh you know, let's take a question uh to start off this week. um There's a question from Janice uh, from Portland uh when is it safe to plant pansies? Well, I just gave you the answer, but I want to talk a little bit about pansies and violas in general um because a lot of folks don't understand the earlier they plant their pansies and violas, the better they do. Now, many plants we talk about, whether it be annuals or perennials, um, you know, a lot of times it's it's important for soil temperature, especially for vegetables, to be up and ready to accept roots. Pansies love a cold soil; they root better in cold soil. They are not a heat-loving plant, so by planting them early in the season, what ends up happening is instead of them growing and flowering too much, they root. And that's a very important part to a pansy. Um, We harden our pansies off, usually down into the upper 20s, so they're ready to go out. We actually freeze them up completely. So in the greenhouse, we'll turn the vents on. We'll let them run for hours and hours and hours, get that temperature down. They'll actually freeze in the six-packs or four-inch pots. And then what happens is they're accustomed to being frozen and thawed, frozen and thawed. What this allows the plant to do is adjust into our cold main soils. It's very important that we do that as what will happen is they will root instead of grow. Now, they may start off a little slow, but by the time we get to May, they're going to look absolutely phenomenal. Late April, early May, and then pansies are not something that like hot weather. So when we get into late June and early July, they usually start to peter out. A lot of times that's because people plant them too late. They plant them in May, and I understand that you're probably accustomed to coming into the garden center in May and doing your annual shopping, but pansies are especially important to plant them early. Your longevity of what the plants will look like, the quality of the plants that we're selling you is much better um, and it gives you a nice blast of spring color now. I like to tell people if you like to only use pansies for early spring, say until first of June maybe plant them in some of the places you usually put your annuals and then just dig them up and and discard them at and in late june or early june um this allows you to have a big blast of color enjoy it for probably eight to ten weeks and then you're done with them because they really don't do that well in the summer months they don't bloom well they'll come back and they'll look good again in the fall but it's a long season to look at ratty pansies all summer long and pansies we do carry some in the fall But they're not a huge seller. Our season's just too short, and the annuals look so great in the fall. But get out there and plant your pansies early. Janice, I want to thank you for the question. Uh, It's certainly something that it's time. It's time to plant pansies. It's time to start thinking about planting perennials. We have uh, some of our overwintered perennials are starting to come out now. Uh, These are perennials that are left over from last year. Um, They've been hardened off. They've come on naturally. So they're available too, and we're shipping in product just as quick as can be. We'll start off with another question here too, uh, Crystal from Gray. When should I plant my tulips and daffodils? Oh boy, we're in trouble here. Crystal, tulips and daffodils typically are planted in the fall. You plant bulbs in the fall. So this is a common question we get every single spring. People will come in and they'll ask Well, I I want some of those nice tulips. I want to plant them now. There is a way to do it. I want to make sure everybody understands. But it's a little bit off cycle. So what I typically do um, for spring tulips, daffodils, crocus, hyacinths, all of that, we're very fortunate that we have them in pots. We all love to have beautiful spring color for Easter. And, you know, let's face it. We all go out, we buy a bunch of these colorful plants, and they sit in our house, and then probably about 10 days later, they look awful. Because it's just warm in our house, and they push, and they get leggy, and and don't look so great. I don't want you to discard them, though. Let's take those and plant them out in the garden after the chance of frost. So, you know, they're not going to look great for a while, but we need to keep them in the house. Uh, We'll go ahead and continue to water them. They might yellow a little bit, and then... Around Mother's Day to Memorial, when the chance of frost is getting less and less, we go out and we actually go ahead and plant them in the garden. Now, you won't get all of them to survive, but a large percentage will. I always have great success with daffodils, crocus, hyacinths. I have a really good success with those. Tulips, a little tougher, but certainly you want to keep them good and moist all summer long. Until that foliage wastes away, you know, it will kind of turn yellow, then go brown, and that will store the energy back into the bulb. Some nice bulb fertilizer also will help. Um, But that's a way you can plant bulbs in the spring. Now, you can buy bulbs in in pots and put them in planters. The only concern is if they get too cold, they will fry. They've been forced in a greenhouse no matter how cold we keep them it's never the same as having frost on the foliage like when they come out of the ground so very important that you protect them from frost so crystal there is a way to do it but always think about your spring bulbs that flower in the spring okay they need to be planted in the fall sometime in September October maybe even into November or early December depending on the the season September seems to be running quite warm so October and November typically are the best time the best time to purchase your bulbs are probably in September it's when there's the best selection at all the stores Um make sure and buy very good quality bulbs the better the bulb is the better the plant is the following year if you cheap out and buy cheap bulbs you get cheap results. It's very, very important. You buy a good quality bulb. And Easter lilies are another thing. Easter lilies will actually rebloom again. They'll rebloom again in the summer. And they are hardy. So you can, after you lose all those blossoms, plant them out in the garden, they've got nice foliage, um, and then they will rebloom later in the season. So think about using your Easter lilies out in the garden too. It's not a bad way to go. Crystal, I'd like to thank you for that question. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on News Talk WLOB.
1: I want a great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available, it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you and your home. The gardening pros at Estabrooks can help. Every time I come, they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening, so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house and the sun and the setting. To learn more, visit EstabrooksOnline.com.
2: Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant maintain your plants with the tones a full line of organic plant foods including holly tone plant tone and rose tone there's a tone for almost every tree shrub flower or vegetable best of all every espoma product is safe for people pets and the environment look for biotone starter plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips espoma a natural in the garden since 1929
3: Main D.O.T. has a special announcement for northbound drivers who routinely take I-295's Exit 15 in Yarmouth. Stop taking Exit 15. I repeat, stop taking Exit 15. It's not your exit anymore. It was your exit once, but not now. Forget about Northbound Exit 15. Exit 15 is not for you. Actually, Main D.O.T. is adding a brand new on-ramp there, and to do that safely and quickly, closing Exit 15 is required starting March 12th. So if you're driving northbound on Interstate 295 and headed for Route 1 in Yarmouth, take Exit 10 in Falmouth or Exit 17. Temporary traffic signals will make taking those alternate exits safe and convenient. You can take Exit 15 southbound, but just forget all about Exit 15 northbound, at least until June. Sometime in June, you can take Exit 15 then. Take it all you want. Exit 15 will be yours once again. A message from Maine DOT. There's better road ahead. Drive safely. The Joy of
0: Gardening from Estabrooks. Uh, I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're going to welcome Carlos Keanu from Costa Maine Organic Products. Welcome, Carlos.
4: How are you, Tom? A pleasure to be on your show.
0: Thanks. Thanks. We're happy to have you. Uh, We've been uh, long-term partners for a long, long time, uh, Estabrooks and Costa Maine. Always a great partnership. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the exciting stuff you've got going on up in Marion at your production site.
4: Yes, it's been uh, it's been very busy the last couple of years, and especially this spring. We do all of our composting and our uh, blending and mixing and bagging. Of our soils at a uh, production facility in Washington County, kind of equidistant between Calais and Machias and Eastport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of on the edge of the Blueberry Barrens and we're we're close to where a lot of lobster processing is now taking place and where a lot of, of the salmon aquaculture industry is based. Um, I know that there are mussel aquaculture farms nearby. Uh, so really the source of a lot of, of our, uh, traditionally the materials we use in our compost, which explains why that's where we're, we're located. But we recently uh, built a new building a few years ago, and we're now in the process of uh, significantly expanding our composting capability, making our pad a little bit bigger, putting up some new uh, storage barns, new equipment and so forth Mm -hmm. Uh, and and part of this is driven by the fact that there's been a a significant increase in the amount of of lobster that are being processed along the coast something that's really happened in the last couple of years so a lot of this is a response to that
0: so great main jobs you know being produced up there in washington county so you can expand
4: absolutely okay
0: and tell me a little bit about you did some wi-fi expansion up there too right
4: well, we did, I, and this was really the key to allowing us to grow up there. We're in a very good place to compost, both in terms of proximity to the materials we use, but also in a in a very isolated uh, part of of the state. The downside historically was that um, communications were terrible. The phones never really worked very well. Uh, the fax never worked, <laughs> and uh, internet was always a challenge. <laughs> We had to make it work with a a dish, and on rainy and cloudy days, uh, which there are more than a few, it didn't really work very well. So we could never really plug uh, that operation, our production operations, in with uh, uh, where we run the company down here in Portland, Mm -hmm. and and our marketing team and sales team is based. So we found ourselves doing more things down here uh, that ought to have been done up there, but largely because of that communications Issue. So a year ago, we, uh, with the help of a, of a grant, uh, put up a 160-foot tower, uh, which wow. gives us line of sight back to uh, Machias, and, and and via the link in Machias, we're able to get good high-speed internet, uh, and that's also solved our our phone and, and fax problems. So that, that's enabled us to do this expansion.
0: And and it sounds to me, Carlos, like, you know, that really has helped uh, facilitate all the things you need to do from Portland, too.
4: Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. I mean, we've got a camera up on the top of the tower so we can keep an eye on trucks coming and going. In fact, uh, if anyone wants to look on our website, uh, www.coastofmaine. .com one of the tabs on the left hand side of our homepage is tower camp and if you click on that you can uh, you can get a glimpse from 160 feet uh, of our production facility especially when we're out turning our our compost windrows it's fun to watch because especially in the beginning you get these huge clouds of steam you know we lay our materials out in long rows and then keep track of temperatures so that we know what's going on inside the piles and then from time to time we need to turn them and Mm -hmm. we do that with this monster machine that's just a a very large above ground rototiller Mm -hmm. and we literally drive it through these long windrows and what that does is it aerates the piles and it, it, it helps to homogenize them in the case of lobster material, the first few passes, it really pulverizes all the shells. Uh, Of course, by the time the composting process is finished, all of those, you know, all those shell particles have vanished, Mm -hmm. have literally melted into what has become this incredibly rich compost. But there's, you know, especially in the beginning when there's a lot of heat in the piles and on a cold Early spring day like we've been having, you get these enormous clouds of steam. So it's uh, it's fun to watch.
0: Absolutely, I'm going to check that out. So tell tell me, Carlos, what what's new going on at Coast of Maine?
4: Well, one thing we're very excited about, and we've been we've been working on for the last year or so, is a high-performance granular organic fertilizer. We've had some history with. With fertilizers back six, seven, eight years ago, we had a, a, a fermented salmon, which you may recall.
0: Oh, I do, a liquid
4: for the, a, a phenomenal <laughs> product, uh, with one serious defect. Yeah and that was an astounding odor.
0: Unbelievable order. I remember Carlos, you guys <laughs> gave me do. you gave me a little bottle of that, you know, and it was the middle of the winter and I go, Oh great. New new stuff from Coast Maine. I was all excited and you know, I took it home and I watered all my house plants in. It, oh my word, did the house <laughs> stink for a leave. couple <laughs> days, you know? Uh it, it was it was pretty rough, but uh
4: But it, it was remarkable. I mean oh, it worked remarkable. great. Yeah. Uh, Uh, as both a fertilizer and it's something that kept the insects off your plants. Mm -hmm. But it was just a very hard sell, a very high-maintenance product, to say the least. Absolutely. So we dropped that years ago, but we've always wanted to get back on the fertilizer side. And what we've done is now come up with a granular fertilizer that has virtually no odor. I mean, really has no odor at all. Uh, We're doing it uh, in... um, in conjunction with a couple of very interesting companies, small companies that are based in uh, Walderborough that specialize in processing kelp, uh, various forms of kelp, kelp meal, liquid kelp extracts, and, and with that have developed uh, a line of phenomenal fertilizers. Uh, Now, they sell exclusively to the golf course Mm -hmm. industry, but these are people we've known for years. Uh, That's where we get some of the the kelp that we use, for example, in Fundy Blend, our enriching mulch with seaweed. And um, we decided to do a quote-unquote super premium uh, organic fertilizer. Uh, That's uh, the ingredients of which are, there's a lot of kelp in it, there's also lobster and crab meal, uh, poultry meal. Uh, there's a lot of fish meal, which really raises the nitrogen levels. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting product that, uh, we test marketed last year with encouraging results. And this year we're rolling it out. We've, uh, we've actually, this is, uh, the first time we'll have an Omri organic listing. Uh, for a fertilizer, uh, product, uh, we've historically used MAFCA, the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, to, uh, to review and approve our, our soils. Fertilizer isn't their specialty, so we've gone to OMRI, which is the Organic Materials Review Institute, and that's a national, they establish a national standard, signing off on, a, on products that can be used in, for the raising of organic crops. Mm-hmm. So we're very pleased with that as well. That's the that's the one big new thing that uh, we've done this year and we've also gotten a new supplier of bark mulch and we're, we're very excited about that too because I think the quality of the uh, of the bagged bark mulch we're going to be selling will will improve a little bit from what it was I mean, it was always a good product but I think we've got something even better now
0: mm, that's good to hear
4: in our bag uh, mulches
0: and talk to me do you have a new new topsoil also
4: oh yes we uh, we've, we've uh, we've designed a new less expensive topsoil uh, that is not organically listed although we'll get around to that maybe next year because there's no reason why it can't be organically listed uh, you know there's nothing non-organic about about what's in the bag uh, but uh, yes it's a little less expensive it's it's a little heavier than than uh, the the uh, Monhegan blend uh, black earth topsoil, which we've sold for years and years, so that that just adds a little diversity to to the product line. And gonna be to people really, that are a little more cost conscious.
0: Going to be really good for kind of that plow damage and and stuff yes, like that yes. this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's this one is really designed for filling holes and okay. uh, you know doing some of those uh, you know heavy duty. Jobs that historically topsoil in a bag has been used for.
0: Great, great. That's a great hole to fill.
4: Pun, yes. in, pun yeah, intended. No, no, we're about <laughs> that too.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break, Carlos. Um, we'll be back with more of the joy of gardening from brooks on News Talk WLOB.
3: The only thing you can be certain about is uncertainty, and that's why I want to introduce you and your family to Free Legacy Food, a company that offers affordable and delicious emergency food with a shelf life of up to 25 years. Think about the disasters that have taken place over the last 10 years and how the government has dropped the ball over and over and over. Folks, you and your family's survival is your responsibility. Go to FreeLegacyFood.com, FreeLegacyFood.com.
5: You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Hollytone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine, a great looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929.
1: We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies.
5: But Wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you?
4: Someone who knows Maine's soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers.
0: We support each other and work together to satisfy you.
1: Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at maineigc.com.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. We're talking with Carlos Keanu uh, from to Main Products. Welcome back, Carlos.
4: Glad, glad to be back.
0: Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about why use a quality soil. Because, I mean, you can buy soil of all different types and qualities. And I've always been a big proponent of using a quality soil um, over just buying a bag of stuff.
4: Right, yes. Yes, and that's a good description uh, of a lot of a lot of what's out there. Um, I mean, we at the, the very beginning. I mean, this is our we're going into our seventeenth year now, and from the from the very beginning, our commitment was to uh, producing compost-based soils for a number of reasons. One, because of the, their extraordinary performance that you get from a from a compost-based soil. Uh, And also because there really was very little out on the market. Uh, You know, there's the traditional composted cow manures, uh, you know, that have been available for for decades, but no one was really doing anything uh, interesting with compost. And uh, with a lot of trial and error, you know, we came to the conclusion early on that given all these very unique feedstocks that are available, particularly along the coast of Maine and particularly up in in down east Maine, uh, that by... Really doing a good job composting these residuals um, and and allowing plenty of time uh, for these materials to both fully compost and then plenty of time for them to cure. You could really put a superior product out there, and the results that you get from using this kind of material is is really quite dramatic because what you're really doing is creating uh, very rich soil. The same way it would happen naturally in the wild. Uh, things die, they decompose, they become humus, and then enrich the soil and the and the cycle. The cycle begins again. So, you're really doing what happens in nature, but you're doing it in a more controlled way, uh, in a more managed way, uh, which makes it much more uh, predictable. Uh, and and you can, you can produce to certain targets in terms of pH levels that you want uh, and, and so forth. And what we've also discovered is by using different types of materials, you enhance the performance characteristics of your various, your various blends. Uh, but it's a long, slow process, which is one of the reasons why a really good compost has a tendency to be more, more expensive. And it typically takes us a year. From the start of the process to having uh, a bulk compost that's ready to be blended and to go into a bag, and uh, a lot of the other materials, a lot of a lot of the bag soils that are out there, uh, one most of them have virtually have little or no compost in them, and that the compost is in a lot of those, in a lot of those bags, has probably composted for you know probably no more than three or four months. At the most, your you know high volume quick turnaround, and uh, you know you really need to let a compost sit and cure and for at least you know, at, you know at least as much as three to six months uh, before it really is ready to uh, to go right in the soil and, and be productive um, the key The key for us has always been the the soil biology uh, and by using Compost and using these kinds of rich, rich soils. What you're really doing is providing uh, an optimal habitat for uh, the biology that lives in your soil, uh, which is what feeds your plants. Absolutely, uh, as opposed to chemical fertilizers and, and, and things like that, where you get a quick, you get a quick stimulus, but it's not natural. It, 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 it you know, anything that isn't taken up by the plants will leach away. Uh, into the soil fairly quickly, and uh, in many instances, those chemicals actually kill the biology that's in your soil. and And the benefit of of, of a very rich, uh, full of life soil is is that you you don't need you don't need to water quite as much, you don't need to fertilize quite as much, uh, and depending on where you are. and you know where your garden happens to be situated and and uh, availability of light and so forth, I and mean, you may not need to you may not need to uh, to fertilize at all
0: yeah i like uh, to tell I like to tell people, Carlos, the blue goo you know which we all know is the nice blue fertilizer you mix it up mm-hmm. in your watering can it 's like heroin to plants Well, it's exactly like heroin you know, you know when you use it, they just want more. Right. You know, um, where a nice organic soil and an organic fertilizer, you, you start to feed the soil rather than the plants, and, and everything kind of exactly. falls into place. Yeah.
4: That's exactly what you're doing. You're feeding the soil, and it's healthy soil that's feeding your plants. It's breaking down the nutrients. It's making them, putting them into an available form so they can be taken up by the plants when the plants need it. Uh, but uh, no, you're absolutely right. And there's the you know the further downside is that those chemical fertilizers actually do kill the biology in the soil. So you know you're you end up you end up growing in you know in a quote-unquote desert, and the only thing that will keep your plants growing is more is more of the blue stuff.
0: That's right. That uh, addiction to the blue goo. Yes. You know.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: you know, tell me a little bit about some of the different products. You know, I know I, I can what I can attest to your product line is that when customers buy into the system of using the proper product out of the line for the proper circumstance, their plants just do well. They lose less plants. They tend to. Um, thrive a little bit quicker you know they put on root system much faster right. they don't need to use as much fertilizer like you said so go through kind of you know some of the different composts and blends you have just to let people know what the proper use is for for some of these products right
4: well the the uh, I mean to start with say our potting soil our Bar Harbor blend mm-hmm. that, that is specifically designed as a container uh, mix as a con- as a growing medium it's entirely self-sufficient. You're not mixing it in with with the native soil. You're, it's in a plastic or ceramic container, and you're planting in that. And that's the, that's that's the plants. That's the environment. That's the soil in which the plant is going to have to, have to grow. So that's made a little bit differently. Uh, most potting soils are made with, with perlite, the little white BBs that you see. Uh, they help hold moisture. Um, the, uh, it, it's 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 interesting. We it took us a long time to get to a place where we were happy with the performance we were seeing from our potting soil from Bar Harbor blend, um, because most professional, if you will, uh, potting soils have are, are mostly peat and have a rewetting agent. Because when you wet peat the first time and then it dries out, it, it's very difficult to get peat to rewet again. So the way around that is to use a chemical uh, surfactant. Um, uh, surfactant is, is something that breaks the surface tension of water, mm-hmm. and it allows it to diffuse more, and, and that's what allows that kind of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a professional growing media to rewet. Being able to do that in uh, a product, uh, in a potting soil that's organically, you know, that, that passes organic muster. Uh, it means you can't use those surfactants and um, and what we've discovered by trial and error over years is that by getting the right proportion of compost in there you're you're providing both some biology into that container uh, but if you get the balance right you you don't need to use a surfactant so that's, and for a long time, uh, there were very few organically approved or organically listed uh, potting soils out there. Uh, we like to think that we did a lot of pioneering work with this, and there are now other other folks are doing the same thing, and they're more available right now. But but uh, as I say, it's getting that balance between the peat and the bark mulch that use the old the old bark that we use and the compost and getting that right uh, 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 one of our other most popular uh, products is our lobster compost uh, the one in the green bag and that's really a very very good all-purpose soil conditioner I mean, we've we've talked we've, we we tend to talk about it as something to use with vegetables but it really is a good all-purpose soil conditioner It's it's exactly the thing to do early in the season when you're preparing beds um, you know, it, it, particularly if you've got a, a good size, uh vegetable or, or flower bed, uh, every 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 crop you grow in that, I mean, you really are a farmer uh, mm-hmm. and doing what farmers do. And uh, a good healthy crop of flowers or vegetables or a combination uh, will deplete the soil. And as uh, we're all very good at, you know, raking away at the end of the at the end of the year, cutting everything down, raking everything away. We're not really giving the chance to the the soil a chance to naturally uh, regenerate itself. Uh, you know, putting down, depending on how big your beds or your your gardens are, you know, generous amounts of compost either late in the fall or early in the spring is really the best way to get ready for for the planting and, and the growing season uh, as 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 the spring starts, as the growing season starts. So, we also have a, a composted cow manure. Uh, which is really designed to do pretty much the same thing. Uh, It's just different ingredients. It's more of a traditional product. Uh, You know, there are lots of people that, you know, I've got to have my composted cow manure. Uh, It's a very good composted cow manure. We're actually getting our cow manure from, it's actually an interesting story, we're getting it from uh, Pylon Farms Natural Meats, uh, which is way up in Arista County, and they have a large... Uh, herd of beef cattle, uh, and, um, it's, it's not, it's natural, it's natural beef, uh, and it's mostly sold at places like Whole Foods, uh, Whole Foods markets across the, the Northeast. So we're getting an already organically listable compost out of naturally raised cows, uh, and then, uh, that's the, uh, that's the principal ingredient in, in our composted cow, I, cow manure. I, I... Another product that we've always—it's really been our flagship. Then it was the first thing we did—is is Penobscot Blend, which is that blue bag. The well, before before bag.
0: you go to Penobscot, I just want to make sure that the listeners out there understand that you're supporting all kinds of other businesses and and operations taking their waste, and I I think that's a, a very important thing to kind of discuss that. You're all collaborating to make a product which is sustainable, right? Right. And and that's that's a big big movement right now.
4: Well, that's that's how the company started. We really began as a project, uh, a collaboration with uh, Great Eastern Mussel Farms, which was the the principal uh, mussel aquaculture company up in Tenets Harbor uh, years ago, and uh, they were having trouble with getting rid of their their waste stream. that basically the, the broken shells and the culls and that which they could not sell in, into the market as, 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 as fresh mussels. And we collaborated with them and a dairy farmer out in uh, in Pittston, uh, with a lot of help from uh, an informal group in Augusta that is always that's always been referred to as the main Compost Team.
0: So, Carlos, it sounds to me like you're working with a lot of main companies, uh, you know, to help make a bunch of products become sustainable and turn them into a, a product that that really customers will enjoy. And and uh, you know, what a great great. Way to work with all these local local
4: businesses. That's correct. I mean, that's really always been uh, uh, one of our missions. Uh, the, the company began 17, 18 years ago as a project a collaboration between myself and Great Eastern Muscle Farms, who were having issues with the um, Intendant's Harbor. They were the principal mussel aquaculture farm in on the east coast or the northeast coast they had issues with their waste stream which were the broken shells and the the calls from from the from the harvest and the and the process of sorting and getting mussels into a bag into the supermarket and uh, they had uh, partnered up with a dairy farm in uh, in central maine up near up near gardner and uh, were were composting but really had you know that's basically where it ended. They had nothing, you know, no one could figure out what to do with the end product. And uh, so what eventually became Coast of Maine was an attempt to figure out if there was uh, one other supplies of this type of compostable material and uh, if we could create demand for the end product. And uh, that's that's really how we got started. We very quickly set up our production in, in Washington County so that we could tap into sa- the, the availability of salmon waste and blueberry waste, which made for a much more complicated, or complex, and better and better compost. But uh, in the course of the years, we've been very close with Pineland Farms, as we were talking about before, Great Eastern, uh, several of the lobster processors now, uh, the, the wild blueberry processors that, that are that tend to be Clustered up in up, up around Machias and Cherryfield, Maine, and uh, you know have been dealing with these folks for years and years. The other important feedstock in producing compost is is sawdust and wood shavings, the the carbon source that's that's a critical component of the composting process. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and and certainly the the salmon waste and all of the lobster shells and and the blueberry litter and things like that are all things that. Uh, uh, really have no other place to go so you're uh, you
0: 're basically Carlos working with all the top industries in the state of maine. If you look at the the top industries number one farming, number two blueberries, number three forestry um, right. number four horticulture <laughs> so you're you 're really encompassing in taking a lot of the um materials which are waste products for them and turning them into gold
4: right and without which the disposal of some of these, uh, some of these waste streams are, are just a huge problem.
0: I think it's important for people to understand that our sales personally at Estabrooks of peat moss, cow manure, have slown up. They really have been dwindling, and in part it's because compost is a much more live and attractive thing for plants to uh, grow in. Um, and so, you know, for years we used to use peat moss. Well, certainly there's not the abundance of peat that we used to have. Um, but also on top of that, it, it's not really nutrient rich, correct?
4: No, it has it basically has no nutrient value at all. So we uh, still have creates, some. It just creates a creates a substrate. It creates a, a you know a space in which to grow. But you need to supplement that. And if you're not using compost, you've got to use fertilizer.
0: So that's a that's a prime reason to use your penobscot is, as as an example,
4: right? I mean, the interesting thing about penobscot blend, it's been in the last couple of years eclipsed by our quady blend, our lobster compost, but that's the product that we started with, and that's the one that has all the, the, the pulverized mussel shells in it, which uh, help create aeration in the soil. And of course, over the years, we've we've all learned that all those tiny little sharp very small particles, which, you know, don't bother the gardener. Uh, but it's something that slugs and and and, bulls and moles and so forth don't really like poking their noses through or, or crawling across. Uh, so it's got that unintended benefit as well, which which people have always commented on. Uh, and it also has a distinctive look, which I can always, I can walk, I can be someplace and look at a garden and if I see little Flex of, of of muscle shell ah Penobscot plant yeah <laughs> uh, yeah
0: exactly, I, I, what I'll say about Penobscot is we've been selling it since it, it, you you what struck me was you said seventeen years you've been in business, That's, man I'm getting old I remember
4: when I sold you that first pallet I'm getting old
0: <laughs> you know today's uh, the thirtieth and on April third I will be turning forty. Uh, so yeah, it's a big year for me, uh, exciting year for me. Uh, yeah. But uh, seventeen years. Well,
4: back that's... then you were working with your granddad. And Absolutely, uh, this is all new. And the yep. family
0: continues to grow, and uh, we've got the cousins. You know, actually, a couple weeks ago we were uh, transplanting, and here comes uh, you know my cousin Emmeline. She comes down. She's <laughs> eight, and she started transplanting. And then my uh, my brother's son Jack uh, came. and He's uh, just a little over two. And uh, he was helping us transplant and tag, too. So, you know, the that's next crazy. generations, are they're in the garden center, yeah. you know, um, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah. Whether they'll be there later on in life, well, that's to be seen. But uh, <laughs> the options are always there. Yeah. Well, Carlos, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been very informative, um, you know, not only about what the products are, but the history of the company and, and what uh, it means to Maine.
4: Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you, Tom, and uh, I, you know, anytime. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll have see, you we'll on you multiple with, you times. Know, when the plants start to come out, we'll, we'll see you up at the Garden Center.
0: Yes, Carlos and his wife, Jean are very good customers at Estabrooks. Uh, you know, certainly we, if we you live, see them. Just live down
4: the street.
0: Yeah, if you see them in the yard, say hello to them. So uh, <laughs> thanks again, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the joy of gardening from Estabrooks on News Talk WLOB.
5: not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Hollytone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Can you tell if these vegetables are being contaminated with bacteria that could cause paralysis? Listen, you can't see it either. Use different cutting boards so that the bacteria in raw meats and seafood and their juices doesn't touch prep surfaces for other foods like veggies. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
1: I want a great garden this year, but I don't know where to start. Does this sound like you? With so many great plants available it can be tough knowing which ones are right for you in your home. The gardening pros at Brooks can help. Every time I come they're always helpful to us. They are really knowledgeable about things because I don't know that much about gardening so they always tell me what you know would be right in my house in the sun and the setting. To learn more visit Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening.
3: Hey, Mom, I'm really star- starving for a snack. Yeah, I was thinking maybe some, some pepperoni breadsticks.
5: How did you know I love pepperoni? Wait, are you able to, to read your mind? Of course, I'm a mom. So you know about the C I got in geography? I
2: do now. It's the recipe that's so easy. It's not a recipe. It's a recipe-z. Like Hormel pepperoni baked on top of breadsticks. Find more tasty ideas at recipe Hormel, life better served.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. Uh, great discussion with Carlos. Um, always fun to talk to him. We've had such a long-standing relationship. Uh, you know, I can remember that first time he he dropped off that uh, pallet of soil and off to the races we were, and we never we didn't really understand where compost was going to go and how important it is now in how we treat plants and plant health care. Um, you know we're going to get into a little bit more about plant health care next week uh, with Tim Lindsay from Bartlett tree experts so we're going to talk about trees we're going to talk about uh you know plant health care and how important that is everything from pruning to fertilizing to to uh insects and diseases and and all of that so uh stay tuned for next week you know uh, look for for us on iTunes. Um, for a podcast, and also on our our website at com. But uh, I want to take another question, and this is from uh, Maria from Saco. When is it safe to plant trees and shrubs? Simple one. As soon as you can stick a shovel in the ground. Um, You know, we are pretty much receiving nursery stock now. Uh, Things are kind of of happening. Um, Trees and shrubs are much more receptive to cold temperatures. They tend to root instead of grow. So the earlier you get your trees and shrubs in, the better they tend to establish. So you're going to put on root system before they push a lot of growth. Good to use some of that coast of Maine, you know soils when you plant um, you, just so you get quick rapid expansion of roots um, also important to score your root system. Um, you know roots are grown in a pot and they typically are growing in a nice circle when you take them out of the pot so taking a nice uh, sharp razor blade knife or um kind of loosening the bottom of those those root systems is a good good way to do that keep them from growing in that circle that will make them branch and and move out um so You know, pretty much you can plant a lot of trees and shrubs now. The one thing when you come into the garden center is you want to make sure that the trees and shrubs are are pretty acclimated to our condition. That's why we start to bring in material in March, regardless if there's snow on the ground, is to get things acclimated, get it here in Maine, so that when the season comes on, they're kind of coming on naturally. Now, we buy from all over the country, so it's tough to do that all the time. But certainly, you know, take on the recommendations of the nursery staff. Always heed their warnings when it comes to frost, whether or not you should cover things. It's very important. I want to stress this. We're going into a frost time frame here for when we're planting and we're getting a lot of frost. Um, When we get into May, early May, it's very important that people sign up for our e-newsletter. Um, we send out frost alerts when it's going to get really cold. Um, last spring, we had that situation where it warmed up really early, and then we got some late frost and we damaged a lot of plants. Important, those frost alerts save a lot of plants and they save a lot of people a lot of heartache. So uh, visit Estabrooksonline.com uh, and sign up for our newsletter. Um, it's a great way to keep in touch. Um, we're going to wrap up the show uh, for this week. It's been a great Saturday. Uh, and I want to bring uh, the tip of the week to you by uh, the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association, uh, MELNA, the Maine Landscape and Nursery Association, MELNA, MELNA.org. Um, it's a great organization, a uh, great place to contact people who are professional in our industry. And the tip of the week this week, I want to talk about, you know, we're Easter time frame here and, and you know, we bought some of the bulbs and, and whatnot. But now maybe it's time to buy a few other colorful things. Kind of bring outside, inside early. So, you know, look at those geraniums that are beautiful on the bench at the garden center. Um, You know, great for a sunny window. Pot them into a nice decorative pot. You can move them out on the deck later on in May. You know, look at the Gerbera daisies, begonias, uh, you know, many, many things. Stephanotis is something I want to talk about. Very fragrant, you know, bring it into the house. You get that spring fragrance of like a lilac or a viburnum, you know, that Mayflower viburnum, but you get it two months early. I mean, how amazing is that? Primrose and and, uh, African violets, always a favorite, Uh, been around forever, but. Now we've got enough light in the house. Now we really are looking good for growing indoors, Uh, maybe add a new house plant. But the tip of the week is it's time to get color back in our life. It's time to enjoy the colors of spring. Mother Nature will catch up outdoors, but start bringing it inside, enjoy them, then you can transform outside. I hope you enjoyed our show this week. Uh, Till next Saturday, uh, we will be going live Yes, I did. I said live, not taped anymore on April 27th, Saturday, April 27th at 7 a.m. So get ready. We'll be posting the uh, phone number on our e-news. We'll be posting it on our Facebook page. Please call in. We're going to kind of get into more of a spring feel here at the show and get excited about that back and forth question and answer. I'm excited about hearing some folks on the radio with me. It's kind of getting old listening to myself so um, I'm excited about it and then on uh, the following week uh, we will go two hours live from 6 to 8 so very exciting Uh, I'd like to thank you again and uh, we'll talk soon enjoy your Saturday morning so get out there and have fun enjoy your garden tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m and wlobradio.com. To pick up the podcast, visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week.